0: Hello there, gentle children. Uh, This is Sean Harwell. You are listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. And uh, we're back in the time machine today to go to 1985. And I wouldn't be going alone, obviously, because that'd be crazy. So I'm joined today, as always, uh, by the one, the only, the... Uh, open-shirted and mulleted, weird, gun holster, shoulder-wearing guy himself.
1: Craig Tex Moorhead. <laughs> Tex, I like mm-hmm. it. It's a good I, middle uh, nickname yeah, for it's you. It's uh, one I've always wanted to give myself, and no one ever uh, would uh, call me that. So.
0: <laughs> well, we're not in Texas, and you're not no, from Texas, so it does seem a no little... No connections.
1: I'm not really tough. So, I don't know. Tex might be a better middle nickname but but uh, you know yeah Craig Craig, Craig text, text. Morehead. okay it's a little more oh. on target uh
0: yeah well that's very good
1: but yeah uh so this is the never heard of a podcast we talk about the movies that have fallen the, through our cracks and uh if you would like to find more out about us you can find us on facebook you can find us on twitter at never podcast you can find us at neverpodcast.com Uh, Even on Instagram, you can find us at N-H-O-I-T podcast, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, come and talk to us. Uh, Let us know how you're feeling about these uh, episodes if you like them. Right now, we're smack dab in the middle of uh, talking about movies from 1985. We've already talked about Explorers and uh, Daryl and uh, The Goonies. And we talked about Rambo 2 and uh, Missing in Action 2, The Beginning. I'm sorry, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Where... Where's
0: my head? I don't know why you would get any of that confused, Craig.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. So uh, straightforward, <laughs> but we're uh, see, we're going to just be going just plowing through the movies of 1985 and and trying to figure out what's up. And so today, we're talking about Invasion USA and Commando, yeah. two towering achievements of 1985 action. all four of these movies that we've watched now have really opened my eyes to how ridiculous these movies must have looked to certain people yeah i'm guessing maybe maybe older people but i just like when i was a kid it just seemed like yes this is probably how the world works and then watching it now just this is the most ridiculous stuff i've i feel like i've ever seen uh sean How familiar were you with these two movies, and I don't know what 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 were your impressions?
0: Well, you know, we we got into this just a little bit last time, but that was definitely trivia fact centered episode. If you haven't heard the tee up one yet, go back and check that out. Um, You know, and actually, it might work well if you've seen the movies or you hear us talk about it. So then go back and listen to all the juicy details from these two because there's some great stuff. Um, But yeah. Been a long time since I'd seen Commando. Pretty much 100% positive I've never seen Invasion USA. Nothing about it struck out to me as familiar. Uh, but on the whole, <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But these two, I think, surprised me by how entertaining they were. And, I sh- you know, I shouldn't say that this is going to be a surprise for everyone because clearly these movies have their legions of fans. But I think I kind of came into it as like, it's sort of so bad they're good fans. And I don't know, I've never like gravitated towards that stuff. You know, even like as we've talked about with this podcast, we're not just like picking things that we suspect are going to be terrible just to like riff on. And, you know, I kind of thought... Okay, well, these two movies they they might fall into that category and um, just you know just be borderline uh, nonsensical and awful. And they kind of there's elements that are, but on the whole, I, I was entertained pretty much from start to finish f- for both of them. I mm-hmm. think uh, one definitely has more wit to it, which, I think it helps, actually. I mean, I think it, it's it's fun to look at it and think, okay, well, there's parts of it that are super serious, but parts that aren't. I'm talking about Commando. And the other one is just so over-the-top brutal that, that I found myself laughing at just like, oh, my God, what did I just watch? And that's Invasion USA. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I think... Uh, I don't know, man. I think these two, in some ways, top rambo and missing in action 2 we'll get to that but yeah just a real pleasure they're both short i think they move at a good clip then we'll get into more specifics but yeah what what did you think you know rewatching commando i know you said it's it was always a favorite of yours in some regards and uh you weren't familiar with invasion usa so uh watching yeah. them in close in close uh pairing here what'd you think
1: uh very much the same i came away from it and 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 i'm i'm looking forward to to talking about them to figure out if if uh what i'm thinking is true i feel like a part of the reason they were so fun to watch is uh especially invasion usa really takes itself super seriously yeah. as you were saying commando takes itself a little less seriously maybe a lot less seriously but um Well, it's a mix, I think, you know. Yeah. Neither one of them, in the storytelling, there's a certain point in both of them, and the points are pretty early on, where, for me at least, I realized there really are no stakes. You're watching this movie (laughs) to see this guy and this guy win the day. Just beat everybody, because there's no... He doesn't have to he doesn't really have to work at it that hard. Like Arnold kind of worked at it a little harder. I feel like for sure. Chuck was Chuck was like a ghost. Yep. Like that dude just showed up wherever bad <laughs> stuff was going down. We have a lot to yep. talk about in that one, we but, do. but, but, but I, th- I feel like that was a part of what was fun. Like there was mm-hmm. never a point where, um, although it does, uh, uh, <laughs> heavily deal in bloody murder. Um, oh, God, it certainly never made me think about the actual prospects of actual death or any existential questions at all right it just it kept right. far away from that it was just we're having fun <laughs> like yeah. keep keep watching me this is great and uh and yeah and it was fun so um so yeah I, very much the same thing I thought invasion USA would be a horrible chore to sit through that's what I was really worried about and it's not at all like not it, it, it at never all. It never bored me. Uh, it, like maybe the story could have been better in the character work or whatever. could have, The plots could have been a little better. But I mean, it, it felt like a movie that they were like, is that part boring? Just cut it out.
0: Actually, I told my wife, I was like, "That, that's it. That's the movie where the legend of Chuck Norris, I think, it came to its fullest capacity. <laughs> I mean, I have sure. to imagine I haven't seen all of them. But good God, I don't know how you top some of the stuff in that. And yeah, it's a blast. I mean, to me, in some ways, it's the surprise of the four. Um, Although, you know, definitely was surprised by missing an action as well. But let me, I want to go back to the stakes thing and let's, uh, uh, this is a good segue, actually. I'll give the the synopsis for Commando. Maybe we'll spend a little bit of time with that one first. Um, Because, you know, it it did significantly better than the other one. And I think... um, I think the you know the the mystique around it is is maybe a little larger, looms larger in pop culture probably. Mm-hmm. So here, Commando, IMDb, uh, and the nice thing about the synopses with these two movies is that's really kind of all you need to know. <laughs> you right. maybe don't even need to know this. You can look at the poster and go, okay, that's all I need to know. So here we go. A retired elite black ops commando launches a one man war against a group of South American criminals who have kidnapped his daughter. Now, I, I do think what's interesting here in relation to what you were saying, because when you first said, you know, there's, there's basically no stakes. And I was like, well, his daughter was kidnapped. But then I thought immediately, yeah, but they could have killed her at any point. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they really could have. And and they um, kept
1: talking about doing it.
0: Oh, boy, boy, they talk about it a lot. Um, you yeah, know, and there is a bit of a, a, a ticking clock, which aids in that factor. And then, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll get to this. But obviously, if you've seen it, you know, there there's a really clear opportunity for one character in particular, the character of Bennett, to kill Mr. Commando. And oh, uh, he does not he does not take that opportunity. So yeah, I mean when things like that happen, you're like, Oh yeah, okay, yeah. It's uh it's not really about yeah, I want him to get his daughter back. It'll be great. I like Alyssa Milano. Uh yeah. but, you know, it's it's not you know, I was thinking too about in regards to say two thousand seventeen or or what they would do with something like this now. And I think you're right. I feel like they would, even just having the daughter be kidnapped, it would be so much darker, I think. Um And sure. so much more, you know, it's like I, I thought of something like Taken, you mm-hmm. know, where the daughter's like kidnapped and I think she's like put into sexual slavery basically, you know, and it just right. gets, somehow there's like 12 layers of darkness on top of that that, well, I did like that movie and I think it's fun uh, in a similar way It's nothing like this. I mean, nothing like Commando. And I think when you talk Commando, you got to start at the beginning because of the ridiculousness of the setup with this guy and his daughter. But it does sort of play into... I mean, that's the whole point of the movie is like him getting his daughter back, you know? And I sitting here watching this and like if you don't know just go find it on youtube i promise you it's out there it is like i meant to do this but i feel like if we watched the uh like theme song sequence in who's the boss you know the tv show <laughs> it mm-hmm. probably wouldn't look that different from the sequence no. in command
1: because <laughs> he oh, is it's like incredible yeah, I mean, they're
0: sharing ice cream cones. This a Schwarzenegger and Alyssa Milano. I mean, it's just yeah. As ridiculous. Yeah, they're feeding a deer. They are feeding a deer they're out of feeding
1: their hand. a deer, and and it's and it's not even like it, it doesn't feel like anything that would be natural. <laughs> like it feels like there were thirteen people there that posed everybody. Oh and yeah, And they sat back because I mean, nothing about that looks like any natural positions that you you would just be in feeding a deer. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's again we kind of come back to the parody thing. Like you see where the this this earnestness became parody or mm-hmm. and then a part of me was wondering what was this parody? Like I mean I it's not yeah, really that kind of a, movie but some parts of the no. movie know how ridiculous the movie sure. is. Uh-huh. And others don't seem to, but I mean yeah, like when she when she dabs his nose with the ice cream cone and he just starts yeah. laughing. Like, holy cow, but you know what's so great though <laughs> is still I uh, just just thinking about your the the thing you pointed out last time about how he was taking voice lessons to learn mm-hmm. how to control his voice better to to you know be a better performer for this movie, and it's just like I just feel like even even when he's doing something like that, and it kind of comes off ridiculous, I just feel like he's trying so hard, yeah, like he's not he's not a robot anymore, guys no like he's coming out swinging yeah. so um. I mean, yeah. oh, you know, amazing. and, it, and it,
0: I don't know if it's parody or if it's that sort of self-referential, um, but I do think they understand that there is some fun to be had by having that sequence immediately trail. You know, it does open with a sort of, like, cold open on uh, bill duke and there's bad guys and they shoot this guy pretending to yeah. be uh they're pretending to be garbage men you know and they roll up in the truck and shoot a guy and he steals a car and there's uzis of course which god almighty are there uzis, uzis. Um, and remote control explosives we get some of those in the opening five minutes but Love your it. first shot of arnold is like basically he's <laughs> he's chopped down a tree with a chainsaw and he's carrying it on his shoulder That's <laughs> and right. the chainsaw's in one hand and then he's like getting ready to chop wood and you know i mean there's literally an extreme close up on one of his biceps you know um so you're you're taking that image though and then immediately pairing it with this ridiculously cheesy sequence that ends with him like literally kissing this, his daughter on the lips, which I'm just like, come on. I mean, it's like innocent enough. But I was like, you couldn't just like peck her on the cheek. Like, why? Yeah. you know, um, and all the time I'm also thinking like his name is John matrix. So here's sweet little Jenny matrix, you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just ridiculous. But, um,
1: well, and, and the other thing likeable, I thought about you know? was it, it is, it, it, yeah. it, it's great. I mean, it sets the right tone, but I feel like, and, and maybe taken did this exact thing and maybe I'm just aping that, but, It made me think about, yeah, if this movie was being made right now, that opening would have been more about this guy and his teenage daughter and the problems that they kind of have together. And it'd be the kind of thing where you'd you totally see that they do love each other. But right now they just kind of hate each other. And then she's going to get kidnapped. Yeah. And then he's got this, you know, thing where he's like, oh, she hates me. You know, I can't, you know, I got to save her. You know, I don't know. It feels like it would be a lot more fraught. Whereas in this case, like they are the perfect father daughter team. Did yep. they ever mention what happened to the wife?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: I just assume he killed her with a chainsaw and carried her over his shoulder.
1: And fed her to deer, probably. It's <laughs> probably what we were watching. Jesus, those were uh, yeah. cold bastards.
0: I don't know. I mean, yeah. I do, you know, there, this is a movie that uh, they could have totally done, the missing in action thing, and the sequel could have been actually a prequel because I do feel like there's... I mean there's a lot of story to be had there. What's not mentioned in this synopsis is that you know, these South American criminals are actually killing off uh some of his fellow black ops soldiers and you know, the general who comes to tell him that, which is General Kirby, I think, or Colonel Kirby or whatever the hell his name was, uh basically leads them inadvertently. He doesn't mean to, but leads the bad guys. To the house in the middle of the mountains, and that's mm-hmm. where they they, uh, they take little Jenny away. So, yeah, there's a oh. lot of right backstory there that we're not that privy to, um, but it does just, I don't know, it just kind of adds to the interest of this weird, uh, weird relationship uh, between this guy and his daughter and the rest of the world.
1: Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, as long as we're talking about that, how uh, Kirby kind of led the bad guys to our our commando hero. Mm -hmm. That was, this was my first tip off that there was really, there were really no stakes in the movie because despite the fact that there are two armed guards who (laughs) are described at least as being very good. Yeah. Arnold figures out that there's someone in the bushes with a gun about to shoot them with literally no evidence of any kind. He's he's later. I think he says he smelled somebody and I was just like, no, he didn't smell no, he anybody. Did,
0: dude, come on. Look how big his uh, nostrils are.
1: Yeah. I just felt like if you can smell him, there's no one in this movie who's going to beat you. Certainly Dan Hedaya, <laughs> as much as I love the guy, is not going to destroy no. you. Yeah. Um,
0: but anyway. I and mean, that happened. I mean, that happened immediately after it's actually made oh, yeah. Gen- General Kirby left. I mean, within seconds. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. There's just no just time like bullshit, wasted. There's like no fat whatsoever.
0: Nope. And uh, that's actually one thing that I really liked about the movie. I mean, and I and I mm-hmm. noticed it, especially by, you know, an hour into this thing. I'm like, man, the pace of this is just moving, 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 and it works, you know, mm-hmm. because of that. Um, so <laughs> there's, there's some great stuff there when Arnold is basically fighting off you know, the rest of the guys that are with this crew that have taken his daughter. Um, And this is sort of, I think, our introduction to, as we mentioned last time, you know, I think it uh, it was IFC.com cataloged like the 10 best one-liners from this movie that prove that it is the ultimate Arnold movie. And, you know, one of my favorite kind of happens early on, you know, they kidnap the daughter and I think Arnold's killed maybe... I don't know, three or four. I mean, the body count in this thing is out of control, and it's impossible yeah. to keep up. He kills a number of these guys at his house. But there's one dude who's just sitting in a chair with a gun propped up, and he's basically laying out to like, you know, blah, 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 blah. We took your kid. Here's what's going to happen. And he says, if you want your kid back, then you got to cooperate right. And Arnold, I can't remember if he shoots him then and says wrong or if he just says wrong and shoots him in the head. I was like, okay, yeah. yep, that's what we're in for here. Um, this is uh, this is the moment for that guy, and uh, man they they take uh, they take good use of that, I guess. Um, oh yeah, and really loved absolutely everything about him driving his Ford Bronco down the side of a mountain with no brakes. Oh, I mean that thing yeah. bounces around. I mean we talked about like yeah, there's like. 50 some stunt performers listed in the credits here. And, uh, boy, they earn their money in a lot of cases.
1: <laughs> they burn through like I'm, 10, just putting one person in that thing. And then probably yeah, it looks scraping like him getting, off the inside just, and put another one in there. Yeah. And I love
0: too, that like, you know, you get that sort of, uh, you break POV a little bit to get inside of the car that, um, I think Bill Duke is in. And the other guy's is like,
1: oh, shit, he's coming
0: after. He's going to hit us, you know? (laughs) Because clearly they just were not expecting. It's like, we cut the guy's brakes. Like, he's not going to go down the mountain, you know? Or even if we didn't cut his brakes, he wouldn't just drive down the side of a mountain to come get his daughter, right? But nope, he does. And then uh, classic, classic uh, car explosion. I think it exploded about three times when it flipped over. It was three or four. But, uh... A lot. It seemed like a, a maybe an absurd amount of explosions for one car. I don't know.
1: I don't know much about cars. I have no idea how many gas tanks are on a car, but it seemed like that one had a few.
0: Now, here's something, Craig. I was caught off. Well, I don't know. Caught off cars are maybe the wrong way to put it. But we get an I'll be back in this movie yep. from Arnold. In regards to Bennett, the character played by Vernon Wells, and, uh, is that, is that something that you remembered?
1: Yeah. But, okay. but I have to say, like, I I feel like after the Terminator, I just assume that he definitely says that in every one of his movies.
0: <laughs> I did not. I don't know. I thought that, uh, okay. I wasn't expecting it in this one, I guess. Um, and you know, he does say, I'll be back, Bennett. And it's not like he doesn't do it the same way he does it as the Terminator. No, but that said.
1: Still it still gooses everybody in the audience.
0: Yeah, and that again I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah, this is they're at least using wit, right? Whether right. this is I don't want to say it's supposed to be campy. There's moments where it's obviously serious. Uh, and again, his mm-hmm. daughter, Jenny Matrix has been kidnapped.
1: Jenny but, Matrix.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they're they're playing on. It. Now the question is, Craig, like in in Schwarzenegger's head in 1985, do you think he's like, oh, man, this line is going to kill him. I'm going to say I'll be back again. Or is he like, I don't know if I should say it again in this. Should, should we say it in this movie? Should, let's Can we do a I take don't... where I don't say it? Can I say something else? And then we do a take where I do say it and you guys decide in editing. What do you think his mindset is?
1: <laughs> uh, I'd love to do the research on that. I, and and yeah. I kind of wish I had. I don't know what the deal is, but. I always assumed that he's the one who said, got you to got to put, put my there. trademark in each one of these movies. <laughs> it might like be. after Terminator, I mean, because the Terminator moment is pretty memorable. That I'll be back mm. is very memorable. Sure. So, so he's kinda, he'd kind of be a dope not to like, it's like, well, even if the rest of this movie is terrible, I'm still going to say I'll be back, and everybody will go nuts. But, um, <laughs> I, just,
0: I thought those catchphrases had to stay within their respective franchises. I wonder what James Cameron thought about like seeing... Oh Jesus Arnold, Are you gonna say this in every <laughs> I, I wrote feel that like line.
1: that's really the where Arnold was a trailblazer,
0: yeah, it's a good point, thank you um okay so so Arnold gets sent now, this is the part of the movie that uh admittedly didn't follow one hundred percent, and uh I, I don't care, but Dan Hidea <laughs> is the leader of these South American criminals, right. Yes. His whole point in kidnapping uh, Jenny Matrix is to get John Matrix to go uh, back to this country. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it is back. Like this is a place he has been before and Mm -hmm. he helped via the black ops to some sort of uh, uh, revolution or fight. I, I, I can't remember. I mean, I don't know. Do you understand all that? Basically, he's being sent to kill the president of this other country, but yes, clearly... it's because it was
1: that like, president knows him and trusts him.
0: Knows John Matrix I and trusts him. Yeah. Yeah. But did Matrix know Dan Hidea's character prior to... He did, right?
1: I did not know that. I was not clear on that. Okay. I, it honestly never even entered my mind. I just assumed <laughs> the guy... Like, obviously, he knew Bennett, but I just... I didn't yeah. think that he knew... Uh, day at all no okay I thought uh, that I thought there be. was
0: something there but well it again doesn't matter but um mm. I really like this whole sequence though. So, okay so you know John Matrix they got his daughter here's what's gonna happen you know and I liked actually um that you know they were able to like subdue him and and mm-hmm. and you know um, contain him at least briefly and they're sending him on a plane two guys are going to go with him to the airport. One guy's going to stay in the airport and watch him get on the plane, watch the plane take off. The other guy's sitting beside him on the seat when he gets to this country and gets off and does the deed. You know, there's other messengers there. i gets get the message, don't kill the daughter yet, don't kill the daughter yet. He's still doing the mission. Um, who is that Sully guy? David Patrick Kelly. Love that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean – how would you describe the suit that he is wearing in this movie
1: i i can i can uh, describe it with just four numbers sean 1985
0: okay very good yeah. yeah it's it's like some weird baggy take on a zoot suit almost um but yeah. he's like the smallest dude in the entire movie he's like a little weasley mm-hmm. kind of guy um but i i like that character i thought he was fun now yeah. You get some other good stuff here when Schwarzenegger gets on the plane with this guy. I think his name was Enrique or Enriquez or something like that. Big guy. I think he's taller than Schwarzenegger if I saw correctly.
1: Yeah, he seemed really big, yeah.
0: A, they have first-class tickets um, (laughs) because why not? (laughs) Um, B, are they like – seated for 45 seconds before Enriquez is like flipping through a magazine. <laughs> and then uh, oh, yeah, yeah I mean, Schwarzenegger just elbows him in the face and then breaks his neck before they take off. Yeah. I thought for sure, and this was stupid of me because then it would be so much more difficult that that plane was going to at least get in the air, you know, before he somehow got rid of, of this other guy. Nope, Um, they they haven't even come close to taking off. Haven't even started moving yet. But then Schwarzenegger gets up, and the flight attendant is like, "Sir, you please, you need to stay seated. You know, while we take off." And he's like, "I'm airsick," and goes in the back. And she says nothing else.
1: Yeah, I I love that.
0: How do you get airsick when you're not in the air?
1: You don't. I think I think it's one of the one of the the. I I don't know if if it was on your list of the greatest quotes of commando or whatever. Yeah, but I mean yeah i mean it's it's as deadpan as it gets and uh i mean yeah he just he just uh ripped a guy's neck in half and uh yeah
0: nobody noticed now he's
1: yeah and 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 i have to say yeah i'm in agreement with you i love this sequence and i love the fact that this whole ticking clock is set up Mm -hmm. i think it's so great it's it's very it kind of has to happen back then because obviously now you could communicate with the ground no problem yep uh um it's it's I mean it's it's pretty smart like that's it's a lot of fun and I also say since we're talking about David Patrick Kelly and even this guy this uh, fella I believe his name is Charles who who is playing Enrique okay uh, but you also have you know you have Bill Duke uh, you oh, have uh, Patrick Kelly I just feel like the goons were really well cast yeah like Sully is is kind of a nothing part and if you didn't have somebody as strong as old dpk mm-hmm. like I, I don't know what that part would be but but like you totally remember this guy now like that guy is uh is fantastic so um there's
0: just something so awkward and hilarious to me about the way you know he ends up in the wheel well of the plane cuz that's what you do you go in the bathroom and then you, you're or whatever however he wound his way down into the cargo i liked all that mm-hmm. stuff plane's getting ready to take off he he jumps off and just like the way he landed in this marsh was hysterical to me for some reason because he like oh. pops up in a second but it looked like he was falling from like five stories or something you know in the mm-hmm. in the air but uh, <laughs> that I all loved and then you know you had this nice little bit with David Patrick Kelly again where I'm like okay am I even going to see this guy again for like the next hour or what like is he just going to pop up in the end and get killed uh, but no like he's harassing Radon Chong at a telephone mm-hmm. booth in the airport you know and Schwarzenegger's watching and then you know, Radon Chong goes to her car after she's told him to leave him the hell alone. And David Patrick Kelly follows her. And that, to me, again, was like, yeah, it, it would be not that great of a part with a lesser actor. But it was still, it was like, oh, man, this is, yeah, this this dude is like, he's slimy. He's like worthy of, of having a character name in a movie like this, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, that one thing leads to another, you know, that he realizes that, um Uh, this, this girl is his ticket to follow Sully, which hopefully is going to lead him back to Dan Hadea and his daughter. You take a detour to a shopping mall, the mall that we talked about in the tee-up episode, which I swear, I think that might be the same mall as the Fast Times at Ridgemont High mall.
1: I believe it is. Looks very
0: similar. Um, because Sully is doing some sort of shady deal there in a restaurant cuz that you know this is again it's the 80s you go to the mall to make your shady under the table handshake deals
1: <laughs> oh yeah
0: <laughs> when you're doing illegal shit right
1: although and i got to say i kind of dig that it was great you know, yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like some like roadhouse or something it wasn't yeah. some like slimy place that like you go yeah. to the mall
0: yeah yeah and, like, even, like, in the mall, like, that restaurant is, like, a freaking nightclub. Like, it's hopping, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But finally, you know, after the car ride, which all this stuff, okay, you know, we've talked about this before. I think we've seen it in other movies um, where, you know, a, a guy that a woman should never, ever just give the time of day to, especially if you're being basically taken hostage the way Ray Don Chong is by Schwarzenegger Mm. it's you know they have this entire car ride but it's not until they get to the mall that he tells her look my daughter was kidnapped that guy is going to lead me to her I need you to help me like it feels like that maybe should have been the first thing he said you know or it would go a long way towards putting her at ease or at least like you know letting her know that he's not going to kill her right on Sean he saves that till they get to the mall and then, you know, she goes into that restaurant and immediately tells the security guard, which I loved. Um, I loved I, I, Yeah, I was like, well, that's, yeah, because I was thinking, I was like, I'm going to tell a cop. That's exactly what I would do. And it's great, too, that this just happens to be the mall that has the most security guards in the history of any mall.
1: Oh, I man, know, they have a, the <laughs> a <world>. small
0: army. <laughs> yeah, but again, like, talking about, like, filling out that cast, um, I lo- like the second guard you see who's like gets the walkie-talkie um, call from the, the the guy that Radon ta- Chong talked to is like, you know, he's just over like talking to two hot girls. And he's like, you guys want to see me kick some ass, you know? And it's just like this, like scrawny little dude. Uh, he's like the Don Knotts of uh, of the mall security guards there, and. uh He even like later on has like a great line when he spots Schwarzenegger. It's like, oh my God, this is a huge motherfucker or something like that. And uh, (laughs) I love that. I mean, it just adds like so much color, you know? I mean, when we talked about Rambo, which is such a different movie and so serious, but like, I don't know. I felt like this movie in particular did maybe the best job of like fleshing out or not fleshing out, but you know making these minor characters memorable. Yeah, fair?
1: Yeah. I mean de- definitely it the, the world definitely feels filled out and I was actually going to get uh, I don't want to skip over the mall sequence but th- but there was something that happens when he when he uh, goes after Bill Duke at the hotel that I was going to talk about. Oh, so we, yeah. can, we can keep going with the mall for a little bit if you if you want to go with that. Well, the
0: only other thing that wow oh, god there's so much in that mall that's great but yeah. I loved that Sully sees Schwarzenegger immediately is, you know, beelining it to a phone booth, presumably to call his boss and let him know that Schwarzenegger is out there and not on the plane. And Schwarzenegger is trying to get to him. He's, like, punching his way through the 800 security guards that work in the mall there. And Sully shoots a gun through the phone booth at him but then, like when Schwarzenegger is within, what like a foot and a half away, he does he, like he doesn't shoot the gun again. I don't think, does he? He
1: does. He did not shoot the gun again. And I couldn't figure it
0: out for the life of me. I was like, well, well, you already did it once, like right into a crowd of people, like sh- shooting. Yeah.
1: What's what's stopping you now?
0: But if he had done that, we wouldn't be able to see Schwarzenegger lift the entire phone booth over his head and throw it on the ground which is why have been quite a we bought a ticket, yeah. right? Um, I loved all that. You know, he gets away in his little yellow Porsche, Sully does, and then here is, oh, gosh. I was about to say my biggest moment of disbelief with this movie, and then I realized, what am I talking about? Like, that's even impossible to, to catalog here. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, but try. Schwarzenegger does chase after the yellow Porsche in Ray Dong Chong's car, and after he gets out of the parking garage, he's driving, racing down the street, and here comes Ray Don Chong running out of the mall, waving him down to stop. And I, I cannot think of a circumstance where uh, anybody would do that and get back in a car with that guy, right? Can't imagine. No. Even
1: if she suddenly believed his story in his cause. Yeah. He's got a guy that she doesn't know, well she you know, doesn't really know, who's shooting a gun at him. Yeah. And they're about to start a car chase. So why would you want to get in that car? Like You wouldn't. Yeah. That's I think like the you answer. could you could just be a character witness later on, you know? You could just hang back.
0: Or go to the cops. And say, hey, this guy told me that my his daughter was kidnapped. I think actually he's a good guy here. Um let's, yeah, exactly. let's maybe help him out. But again, if they did that, then we would be <laughs> uh, denied. We would have lost a lot of good moments. Yeah. The great car chase that ends with Schwarzenegger ramming that car into a telephone pole and immediately turning to her and like placing his hands on her. Are you all right? I mean, just like the way yeah. he does that, like the body language It's so, I want to say parental and yet it's, it's not, it's just weird (laughs) because like, he's like, are you all right? And she says something and then he's like, boom, out of the car, you know, and immediately like back to the mission at hand, which is to take care of Sully. And Mm -hmm. uh, another, gosh, I don't remember it. What was the great one-liner where he holds Sully up by his leg over the cliff of Mulholland Drive, I think. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like this we... is the best known commando line. She's holding him there. He says, "You remember when I said I would kill you last?" And Sally's oh, yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, you did say that." And he said, <laughs> "I lied, <laughs> I lied," and then just yeah. just straight up drops him. And here's the thing that that was a little confusing to me. I didn't really have a good spatial awareness of what was going on there exactly. Yeah, but he drops this guy off the cliff. I mean, nobody else is up there. It's the three of them. Mm-hmm. drops the guy off the cliff comes back and she's like oh so what happened to him and i was just like did you not just see what happened to him yeah how did you miss any of what would what just happened because you just murdered that dude
0: but then he gets to say i let him go so
1: again exactly
0: you know it's like you're gonna like roll with this if uh you know and she maybe was uh you know as we come to find out later on she wants to be a pilot she reads instruction manuals maybe she just found something interesting to read while he was doing that's that. true so you know i don't that know that
1: could be could be
0: but yeah i think uh it's around this time because probably just due to the fact that there's so much driving chasing sequences through this that i really start mm-hmm. to notice i don't like the score to this movie <laughs> um <laughs> did you pick up on the fact that there's like s- steel drums
1: In and yeah part of there's that? a lot of steel drums
0: why on earth are there steel drums in the score for I, this movie?
1: I just kind of assume because they're going to end up in Valverde, yeah, <laughs> and that that's where the whole steel drum thing comes from. But yeah, I mean, I really don't understand the steel drums. Is it, well, and it just doesn't jibe. I mean,
0: because it is sort of like this, like you know, really up tempo, actiony kind of score, but with the weird steel drums. So I don't know. It didn't quite gel.
1: There's no saxophone. Me. So, but, I mean, no,
0: yeah, they didn't play all the 85 tropes. Uh, but yeah, this is, I think, when he finds out where uh Sully was headed, which I think came courtesy, like he looked at the keychain or something, right? In Sully's car, mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know. Leads him to this motel, and I'll let you take it away here because, yeah, there's a great fight in that scene. And like how they yes. staged all that. But what was the thing that kind of well, I jumped out to you about this scene?
1: Well, yeah. So so, so they go back to this thing and they're, they're searching through, th- through this room trying to figure out, you know, where his daughter is, where, where they've taken his daughter. And Bill Duke comes in. Mm-hmm. And, and exactly. I mean, Bill Duke's a big dude. He's imposing. He and it. Arnold have a showdown. They start throwing each other around. Bill Duke pulls a gun. And, and Arnold's still just fist fighting him and puts Bill Duke through a door door goes crashing down on the other side there's a guy videotaping himself and, and, his, and his woman <laughs> love it going to town so yep. they both just jump up they're both <laughs> naked as they can be screaming yep. which is which is first of all a fantastic 80s trope yeah Uh, just just the real gratuitous nudity that has zero bearing on anything but mm-hmm. but this is another thing where you're kind of talking about how the world feels fleshed out no pun intended or maybe so but it just feels like in another movie, they would have fought in a hotel room and that would have been it. And it would kind of feel like, like, what is this hotel? Like, like this, it feels like the hotel isn't really a part of the rest of the world in a weird way. Whereas right. now in Commando, this feels like an inhabited hotel. This feels yep. like a place where people are and they're doing things that don't have anything to do with, with <laughs> this mission that this guy is on. Thank um, God. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of this cool jolt. They don't say anything about it, obviously, because these two guys want to kill each other, and that's the most important thing. Um, but it was it was little stuff like that that uh, that first of all made it feel very '80s, and second of all, yeah, just kind of fleshed out this world.
0: And I also loved uh, the little moment where I, I think. Uh, Bill Duke says something about like him being a Green, per- green Beret and then going to kick Schwarzenegger's ass. And Schwarzenegger has a line, I eat Green Berets for breakfast, and right now I'm very hungry. Which, I remember that line. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome, obviously. But what I didn't remember is that then, like, it's a few beats later that Radon Chong says, I can't believe this macho bullshit. Yeah, she's watching this. Which... Yeah. I loved, I mean, that's like, okay, they're, they're again, like, yeah, they're, they're commenting on the fact of what this actually is that we're watching here, you know? And for a second, she kind of gets to be the audience again. There's no way in hell she should be with him right now. That said, I liked that they did that, you know, and I think they took it a little too further then with like, oh, you, she said something about you, you guys eat too much red meat or something like that, which was like, okay, yeah, you, you. Yeah, the one time was good. The second time, maybe not not as good. But um, it does it's sort of teeing you up then for this, you know, the amazing shopping spree. Because like after they figure out where they need to go and like where Bill Duke's car was headed, which is you know something to do with uh, this this small airport, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah, and you know he's like, where are we going to go now? And he's like, we're going shopping. And he's not kidding. They go to the army surplus store and after he, you know, borrows a bulldozer to to break down the barred windows, uh, they just go in and start I, helping themselves with a shopping cart and and get some uh, yeah. scuba flippers and, <laughs> and everything. I want to
1: talk about that. We should. Yeah.
0: I think we should. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: First of all, so at the beginning of the movie, Major General Kirby flies a helicopter out to John Matrix's uh, mountaintop home. Mount Baldy. Yep. And he, and he walks up and he kind of calls to John. John, you in there? John, being a 500-pound, nine-foot-tall Austrian <laughs> dude, somehow just sneaks up behind Major General Kirby sure and does. takes his gun. He's still got it, you know? He's still got it. What I'm thinking at this point in the movie when Arnold gets a bulldozer and goes into the front window of an army supply store of a, you know, is, is there not... A way you could have done this that would have alerted less attention
0: because are you, are you saying you should just pry the door open or even just check the lock
1: it's it seems like you'd, you'd scale the thing get on the roof go down through a door <laughs> so i don't know there's clearly there seems to be no alarm in the place no so yeah it, it was I, I just they they drove up and you kind of saw the front of the store and then the next thing you know you have this close-up of him on this bulldozer and it's like and i was just thinking oh he's going to go in through like the side but no, he's going in through the front, like driving across the road, going into the front of the store. You couldn't yeah. attract more attention by doing it that way. I thought that was a very odd choice. Um, did you see any any airtight plan there?
0: No, I was going to say, isn't it comforting to know that a shop that sell that has a rocket launcher in the back doesn't have an alarm system?
1: <laughs> no Although,
0: yep. maybe it did because the police did show up. I, I noticed like throughout this silent sequence, alarm, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I noticed throughout this whole sequence that, like, there's nobody out on the streets of L.A. at, at right. night where they're at. I'm just like, hey, th- that seems slightly unrealistic to me. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it does sort of play into the But at the least stack.
1: the cops show up later. Like that's At actually least kind the cops the, show up. That takes the curse off of it a little bit.
0: It does, and I was a little surprised that we didn't get a shootout in the surplus store because I was just like, oh, man, like, imagine all the crap that can explode in here, you know? Um, but they don't like, they, you know, I think they somewhat surprise him and they're like, don't even think about it. And they got guns pointed they throw him into like a SWAT van basically. And, uh, they drive off and Radon Chong follows because she slipped away before the cops realized, uh, she was there as his shopping buddy. And, uh, I gotta say, I liked seeing her try to shoot a rocket launcher. I mean, it feels (laughs) in hindsight, kind of so silly and predictable. Uh, it works in the moment, especially that she shoots it backwards at first. It's great, you know?
1: Exactly. that that That's what sells it as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. I mean, in a way, like, it reminds me, and don't kill me people, but, like, a little bit of, like, the, the female protagonist in the Indiana Jones movies. Like, the role that they sort of mm-hmm. fulfill a little bit, but without, like, as heavy of a romance thing. Um, but either way, like, I actually wrote down, like, when I was watching that scene, I was like, Know, this. This movie again, like it just—it's clearly meant to be more fun than Rambo. You know, just comparing those mm-hmm. two, uh, and certainly missing in action. And it is right. like it, it just definitely is, in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and it is weird though that Rambo I think made more money than like all of these other ones combined. But we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit because we <laughs> should probably talk about. How after they're able to take off in a seaplane, because we have learned that Radon Chong, who is a flight attendant herself, she's not just a random person at the airport, uh, is studying to get her pilot's license.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They land Craig and uh Schwarzenegger gets into a little boat in a uh Ooh. also little black bikini brief. That's right. He paddles to shore and mm-hmm. he gets out and he then gets dressed in his uh, military fatigues.
1: Right. I
0: would like to posit to you that it would have been possible for him to get dressed before he got in the boat. Now you come at me with a counterpoint.
1: Uh, well, I have never served in the military, Sean.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. I know that's about you. Yeah.
1: But I'm pretty sure when there is a military operation, uh, uh, any sort of offensive maneuver that the soldiers do go in only in underwear. <laughs> okay. And they, as I don't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not is really it, a student of history, but I'm almost positive the beaches of Normandy. They got to the beach, <laughs> and then they put their clothes on, sort of in an attempt to have a clean appearance is going it in. You know, because I mean? wet clothes slow you down. Is that maybe? The thinking, yeah, or it might even be just sort sort of a, a, a you know centuries old tradition, Could you be. know, goes back that to the maybe it's been overturned since then, yeah, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe it did.
0: Well, you know, we we spent two episodes talking about Dunkirk, and I don't remember uh the underwear thing coming up in that, but maybe that's just like a European versus a, uh, an American thing. Well, at any he
1: may have just cut it out because everyone is already <laughs> familiar with the idea,
0: yeah, good point, good point. Uh, yeah. But the beauty of that, other than the actual physical beauty of that, and you know <laughs> I, it, I can't imagine that Arnold didn't say, "You yeah, know, what if I just like go over in my underwear and you know, I' can show up my leg, blah blah, blah, blah blah." Uh, yeah, no. I figure
1: it had to be a beefcake moment, right it, Yeah, like it, that's
0: it, a beefcake moment for yeah. sure. But you get a great little sequence of him putting all that stuff on. You got your big serrated knife, which is, you know, if the Uzi is the firearm of the 80s, I would say that's the cutlery of the 80s. Um, mm-hmm. He puts on the, uh, the grease on the, on the face and he's ready to go commit mass murder. Sure. And boy, he does that for the next 20 minutes, right?
1: Yes, he does.
0: All right. Come at me with your question
1: question the the uh grease camo that he puts on
0: the jungle jungle paint (laughs) yeah
1: i I guess that was the one thing i've always thought it looked cool looks great on the poster but every time i look at him i'm like you you don't really blend in i don't really feel like you're blending in in any way no he's not in a jungle Um, in this instance right well it's just his skin and some black marks i just kind of felt and and you (laughs) notice later when his vest comes off how much those black marks sort of accentuate his musculature. They really do. I feel yeah. like I feel like you're not really hiding yourself. I think you're putting yourself out there a little more.
0: It could have just been a makeup um, kind of thing, you know?
1: It's uh, uh maybe yeah, maybe it's just yeah. the, kind of how he gets uh yeah pumped up. Yeah. yeah. Totally. But he does. He's it's an all out assault. There's no question about it. And you'll notice eagle eyed viewers will notice that when they blow up those uh barracks or the buildings. Yep. After he sets some bombs and he blows them up, because they they explode several times as you do. Another uh, great eighties yeah. trope. Did you notice the very very obvious mannequins <laughs> dressed like soldiers all around the buildings?
0: Craig, I noticed that, and I noticed that they were perhaps attached to their stands, the wooden stands, mm. a little too mm-hmm. well because they do not move at they don't all. Move. <laughs> When the, they're basically uh, getting blown up. So instead of yeah. seeing them f- go flying, which I have to imagine was the intention, they're well, just, sure. they just get blown up and stay right where they are. So uh, right? Where, yeah, Made me laugh. Made me <laughs> laugh because it wasn't just in one shot. There are multiple yeah. times where you see that and where it happens. And uh, I don't know, you know, you wonder if it's one of those things that, because there's no way they didn't see that in the editing and the shooting, even you just, you run out of time, you run out of money. You can't reshoot that a little bit or you just, you blow something up, obviously you can't do it twice. Maybe that's really what it is. Um,
1: Well, I'll put it out there though, that, you know, there's that moment, there's the moment when he's, when he's hanging Sully over the cliff where there's a, there's a pretty good shot of the wire that's holding his ankle.
0: Oh, I didn't notice that.
1: And there's a bit where he's driving the bulldozer into the army surplus store. And there's a shot where it's just like, that's your stunt guy on a bulldozer. Like, that's not you at all. And there, what I, it, it got me to just thinking about, you know, is it just that, you know, we, we keep evolving as movie audiences. And back then, it's not even that you wouldn't have noticed it, but that you would have just accepted it. It would have been automatically forgiven. It's not completely ridiculous well like it doesn't take you out of the moment enough like you you just kind of let it go you're just kind of like yes well that's how that's okay whereas now it's it has to be totally real because it's cgi yeah like you, you if you make a mistake then you you made the mistake literally
0: yeah you had to live with it you can't just repaint it yeah. I, I think it's definitely that i mean as far as like with the audience is is dealing with it I don't know. I I think, you know, that stormtrooper that bumps his head on the door in this first Mm -hmm. Star Wars movie, I'm sure there were, you know, leagues of Star Wars nerds that knew about that and could talk about it to one another. But, you know, maybe it's because you didn't have the Internet to sort of like go and post about this and put a clip of it up immediately um, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't, you you know, it's just not something you think about when you think about Commando, maybe. Uh, but it's definitely yeah. something I'm going to think about from now on because it made me laugh. Um, I also think there may have been a shot, uh, a sort of longest shot, when Schwarzenegger was doing his bikini boating that um, it was either him or a double that actually had on white underwear or something. It was like was not in the black brief for just like a split second. Oh, wow. Yeah, which that would be a major continuity flaw. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Like, we're not going to look at that. Um, <laughs> but we we should talk about now, because this is getting us into this last actor in this all-out assault upon uh, the Dan Hedaya compound where Bennett and uh, Alyssa Milano are, and this is when we get the moment that you held up fondly, which is the guy having his arm cut off. Um, oh, and how did you feel about it, watching it again for the first time in a little while? I, I thought it delivered. I thought that whole sequence... Uh, when he's hiding out in the shed and comes out of it specifically, not maybe the mm-hmm. entire third act here, but that sequence, was like, yeah, 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 get a pitchfork, get a hatchet, oh yeah, oh throw the circular saw blades, yes. Um, yeah. Did it did it tap into uh, any sort of nostalgic joy there for you when you used to pretend to cut people's arms off?
1: I uh, pretend. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, uh, uh, I I recalled that that as a kid, like I must have rewound and watched that over and over again that little sequence and it's not really a great sequence and i really didn't buy throwing circular saw blades anymore i just uh, didn't work for me i don't think that's how it worked but uh
0: scalped yeah i don't think it would work that way
1: is it the is that the goriest thing that happened in these four movies um like the goriest the goriest uh how should i say like not suggested but something you actually definitely see full on uh, possibly, possibly. I don't.
0: I feel like Stallone had some good ones, but yeah, this it feels like you get the entire like tree rings of this dude's arm. You know, the, the yeah. stump, and there's that just there's that beat long enough where the guy kind of sees that it's coming. And then the arm yeah. gets chopped off, and then he's still looking at it and screams. So it's like held onto for just long enough to really make it kind of gory and gruesome. So I think I'm gonna, yeah, I think I would think we should give the trophy to that moment as far as the goryest, as far as I can remember. Um, trophy given. Either way, it definitely stands out. I I think that's a good thing because there is so much killing in this last 15 minutes, that this was the only part of the movie that I did get a little just less involved with. Yeah, I mean, it's so much, like, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, good God, like, if, you know, my neighbors just happen to be, like, coming into my house right now, they're like, wonder what the hell is going on, because it's just like a, a yeah. nonstop sound effects barrage of bullets.
1: Um, it's just shooting and it's just shooting shooting pawns like it's just shooting and explosions and it's like man that like yeah, I I didn't care about any of it like I understand how you kind of need it because it would be ridiculous for him to show up and there's only like five guys but at the same time man
0: but I wish they would have scaled it down you know
1: yeah because it becomes
0: it does become preposterous that it's one guy against I mean it's about a hundred people at this damn place right Right. Whereas, like, I just wanted, like, okay, even if you have 100 people, have, you know, Dan, Hedaya, Bennett, and Milano take off in a car or a boat or something. So, you can at least, like, pull right. them away. Get from away
1: there. from the army.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. he's just blowing these people away and, like, none of them are, like, even, you know, I mean, they're all firing at him. And I don't know. I mean, I guess they just can't aim very well because nobody is yeah. making contact. Um but because it's Because the ridiculous. first time
1: he actually gets shot at all is is later when Bennett shoots at him yep. from, like, across the room. Yeah. And meanwhile, yeah, every machine gun on the island couldn't touch him. Yeah. Just like, all right. And but again, no stakes,
0: really. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's it's too bad, too, because, again, I like the little moment where the arm gets cut, cut off. I like how they handle the death of Hidea. I like then that soon after this we get this sort of, like, parallel action happening where Alyssa milano has like snuck downstairs into the boiler room area and is trying to like escape from bennett and he's following her and then you know it's like only a matter of time before schwarzenegger makes his way in there and like all that stuff i think is is edited well and like builds well uh and then you get your final battle between bennett and schwarzenegger and i i we should have said earlier Bennett's kind of wearing like a chainmail-looking <laughs> shirt where it's like mm-hmm. two... I, I don't know if it is chainmail. Part of it looks like it's knitted or something. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like I don't know what it is, but no. he looks like a crazy person. He talks like a crazy person. He acts like a crazy person, so maybe it's like a fitting wardrobe. Um, maybe. But here is... I don't know this. How did you feel about that fight? Because there were like we talked about earlier. It's like uh, okay, like you Bennett has a gun. He has an opportunity to kill Schwarzenegger. He doesn't, and you know it's one of those things that uh, I feel like we talked about in The Perfect Host, where David Hyde Pierce talks that other guy into not leaving, you know, by trying to get under his skin a little bit, and right. for whatever reason, it's effective because it's a movie, and that's the only reason it's effective. But there were still parts of that fight that I really liked. I don't. What did you? Did that feel like a satisfying end, or was it just too hard to believe? Um, Or how did you feel about watching that as the climax of this movie?
1: I don't know. the The thing for me is, uh, ever since I watched it the first time, I've always thought, even though Bennett's a big guy, he doesn't stand a chance against Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. Like, there's that bit where he's talking to Dan Hedaya, and he's like. I'm the only one between you and him. And and I just thought like if I was Dan I'd be like I wish I had like ten of you then because <laughs> yeah. like you seem kind of flabby. Yeah, you're not. In compared to that shape. cat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you're you're definitely big and I mean you know just just the outward appearance of muscles doesn't actually mean much but I I kind of wish of all the sort of little flourishes and character work they did I kind of wish like he was known for something. Or, you know, he's just known for being crazier and that's, that's why he's yeah. so dangerous or something. Because he doesn't, he, he looks like he could have like then stepped into the role of like a 50-year-old dad and, and you know, on yeah. the sitcom.
0: And I feel like that's maybe what they were trying to do. It's like, oh, yeah, he's the crazy one. But they didn't, yeah. it's not established. It doesn't, it, or it's not done right. to the fact. I mean, like we'll talk about when we talk about Invasion USA, like that bad dude in that movie. I mean, like that dude, it's crazy. Um. Yeah, and, and they do a good job of earning that. Yeah, not so much here. I mean, you get some great. I like the fist fights. You know, when they get down to that. Yeah. I like it, but there's yeah. no reason he should have put his gun. I mean, there's just no reason. Like, I don't no. need a gun. I don't need the girl. I don't need a knife. You know, it's like all this nonsense. Yeah. Uh, and it's like no. He's saying that he's like, I don't need him. I'm like, no, but you do have these things. And they will be effective, you know. Just shoot them. Right. Um, but you get another thing where, yeah, I don't know if throwing that pipe at a guy mm. would impale him like that, because it's not a. Yeah. It's a hollow pipe, and it's not. Sure. It doesn't come to a point. No. Uh, you get the awesome line. I mean, I, you know? I
1: assume that what we're saying there is or what the filmmakers are saying is that Arnold Schwarzenegger is just that strong. strong, yeah. And that's why they had a tree on his shoulder at the beginning. Yep. And all that stuff. Like he's just so strong that he could throw a snowball at you and just take your head off.
0: Yeah. Which he did in Jingle All the Way. Mm. No. Um Mhm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a cool effect. There's pipes thrown at the guy and pels him against like a boiler and steam's blowing out through the pipe as he's dying. Naturally, Schwarzenegger says, let off some steam, Bennett. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So ridiculous. Uh, I loved it. And then, uh, I do want to comment about the ending because it made me think about, you know, when we talked a little bit last time, they had plans to make a sequel to this movie. And in fact, we know that Die Hard was originally intended to possibly be a sequel to this movie. Uh, Uh And I thought that was interesting because the movie literally ends with Schwarzenegger talking to Major General Kirby um, saying, you know, this is the last time. And walking away, Kirby says, until the next time. And the last thing Schwarzenegger says is no chance. And I do feel like, you know, if they are going to use this ending – If he had popped up two years later or whatever in a sequel, I'd be like, but he said, no, like, what, what are you going to do to change that? You know, what happened? And it's just like, you got to invent something. And it's like, I don't know. I like it. I like it that he's stuck to this and we didn't get a sequel. And uh, hopefully they will not do a sequel before he dies. Um, But it wouldn't surprise me if they did. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I liked it as an ending. I thought like, yeah, that's y- that that's the oh, appropriate yeah. response if the whole point of this movie is for you to get your daughter back, uh, who you've told you would not leave. Um, that's that's right. what you got to say at the end. Yeah. Uh,
1: I like that ending. I like the lightweight relationshipiness of it at the end. Yeah, like it's it's not like oh yeah, of course you guys are you know you're going to be in love for the rest of your lives. But I like no. it was certainly further down the road than what happened in rambo oh, yeah and it was just kind of all you needed okay they all seem happy let's let's see what happens with this mix of people i like the fact that Alyssa milano escapes out of the room she's not just this defenseless kid which they kind of foreshadow at the beginning yeah um uh yeah i like that and yeah also i'm, I'm glad that die hard was not a sequel to this because Going into Die Hard, you would have immediately already thought, "Oh, so this stuff just happens this guy all the time." Yeah. Instead of like thinking that during Die Hard too, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> and uh, three. I'm glad, and yeah, and all the other Die Hards. Well, uh, but yeah,
0: yeah, I I think it's a lot of fun. I forgot to mention that Alyssa Milano did have a, a line kind of like in the middle of this movie that I really liked when Dan Hidayah Hende- says something about like, "Wanna be nice uh, to be back with your daddy." And she says, not a, nearly as nice as watching him smash your face in. And uh, I was like, damn, <laughs> like, I didn't expect that out of, yep. out of her. And it's a good line reading, I thought. Uh, I was like, well, I, I like this kid even more now, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, the takeaway for me on this one is that it definitely holds up for the most part. It's ridiculous, but it's slightly aware of how ridiculous this is. And. Schwarzenegger's great I mean I really you know we didn't really talk about it that much but he drives this he really does drive this thing as far as I'm concerned and like it's it's a like charismatic ultra charismatic performance I think without like it's just before it it did sort of turn into him doing this thing as parody of sorts you know um yeah so yeah I think if you're not well versed and why schwarzenegger is the guy that he is uh i don't know i might might even start with this movie you know and then do the terminators
1: that's not a bad idea because you'll
0: you'll have a damn fun time speaking of fun should we invade america
1: <laughs> somebody has to
0: Uh, movie number two of the three that he's in, he might be in more. We talked about this last time. I don't even know. It it could be like 27 of these things that he's in. Uh, But I I said, I think this is one of the quintessential ones that made me a believer in the legend of him. And uh, I'll quickly give the synopsis here. And uh, that's because it's super short and uses some of the same language as commando. A one-man army comes to the rescue of the United States when a spy attempts an invasion. There's more to it than that. But there's also not a whole lot more to it than that. Yeah. I mean... I was
1: going to say... I don't know. A one-man army? Jeez, I don't know. Well, we have Commando, which is is pretty well plot-driven, has its ticking clock. Yep. You know, most of the things that happen make sense. The decisions make sense. The things that lead to the next things make sense. Whereas I feel like Invasion USA... I don't want to get grandiose, but let's say it's kind of like jazz.
0: Yeah, man.
1: So there's not really a reason.
0: That's right, daddy
1: Outside of, you have a bad guy named Rostov, I believe. Yeah. And Rostov is going to lead the invasion of the United States by the Russians, as I understand. And unless I missed a large chunk of the movie, Sean, that seems to be the whole plan.
0: Greg, are they Russians? Did I miss that? <laughs> I was going to ask you where the, like, I don't even know, like I couldn't place Rostov, like who he was, like where he's from or what the allegiance was, uh, partly right. because in the first scene with him, he's speaking Spanish, you know? Uh,
1: yes. But, um, I, I will, well, I, I mean, that's, that's a fair question, Sean. I, I, I don't know exactly, except that I was assuming they were russians because it was 1985 and his name was rostov but boy i could certainly be wrong it is revealed the armed personnel were communist latin american guerrillas
0: okay because see i was so gonna say cuba they're coming from latin america yeah cuba weighs on this a little bit at least in the opening but this is all kind of beside the point uh you know because yeah what point, I don't, really? it doesn't really matter but maybe it's a good place to start I think he's my favorite villain of the four movies uh, in this little pairing here that hmm. we did today, or that we've done between these two episodes. And
1: I, I could get behind that.
0: I think he's uh, ultimately more ruthless than uh, what was his name, Colonel Yin, in Missing in Action. I mean, in the opening of that, he definitely has as much screen time as any villain in these four movies, for sure right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, you're opening on a boat full of like Cuban refugees and the boat, the motor has died and they're just stuck out there and there's a kid and it's hot. And here comes what they think is the coast guard, the U S Navy or somebody, some small boat with American flag soldiers on it. The captain who's smiling and white there, Richard Lynch, who looks just a little bit off, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) From the word go. And he tells everybody, you know, in Spanish, welcome to America. And they cheer. And then he blows them the fuck away. And I could not keep up with the body count because, I I mean, I don't know how many people were on that boat. Oh, yeah. They they all died. Nope. And
1: uh, there's enough that you couldn't see them all in one shot.
0: Couldn't see them all in one shot. And then quickly you get the sort of smash cut to the title card. And I feel like this isn't even a question. That's the worst font in in any of these four movies. And could be the worst yeah. font we'll see in 1985. We'll have to keep, keep tally of that, but it's terrible. It's so bad. It's not even, Maybe. it's not even the one that's on the poster. It was like some weird. I know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like early Nintendo game kind of bad. Um, but man, within seconds after that, you're cutting to Chuck Norris on like one of those like fan-driven <laughs> boat ho- hover air boat hovercraft kind of things in the Everglades, yep. and I was like, okay, here, this is gonna be fun. Like, I know, I mean, like, I perked up. I did like immediately when you see him on this stupid thing because he's like sitting in a chair driving this. I don't remember if his shirt was open at this point or not, but it might as well be because it's going to be throughout yeah. the rest of the freaking movie. Um he's got jeans on, he's got that mullet rocking. And this movie, man, and like we talked about this a little bit with, with missing an action that you know, he's not the the greatest at delivering a range of emotions if Mm-mm. we're being diplomatic here. Maybe not the best at reading lines. But in this movie, I mean, does does his mouth even like did the corners of his mouth ever even like rise up or down to display emotion? What's I mean, he's so stoic. No. There's just yeah. nothing. It's just one line. That's his face the entire movie. And uh um, Yeah,
1: that's that's definitely his resting face. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that, that occurred to me while watching this is that I feel like he's like a chromosome away from being a puppy. Yeah. And yeah, that's like, a good, yeah, I could never get past it. He doesn't really look tough, but at the same time, he looks like he's very serious. Yeah. And then when you have him, you know, kick everybody's ass, then it just seems like, yeah, okay, like this is a tough guy. Yeah. But if you just look at him, he's got the fluffy hair and that kindly beard. And like, I really, I just keep, every time I look at him, I feel like I'm looking at a beagle or something. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: that would be a great name for a beagle. <laughs> Man, it, it, like... Everybody in this movie, aside from Chuck Norris, is a little bit of an asshole. Like, did you notice that? Like, in some ways, I'm like, man, maybe America does need to be invaded here as a wake up call because people <laughs> seem <laughs> miserable. They're pissed yeah. off. And just the first example I'll give, because like this character is like, I don't know, she's a throwaway, but um, what's her name? Melissa Prophet plays this reporter character named McGuire. And mm-hmm we first meet her and she's kind of been detained by the cops because she got onto this refugee boat before the detective got there. Right. And she is so pissed off at them for like doing this, I guess. I don't know, but I'm like, you just saw a mass graveyard, basically. Like, like we said, like at least 25 dead bodies, including women and children. Maybe, like, just think about priorities in life. Is it really worth the energy to be that pissed off at them for just wanting to hang on to you for, like, five minutes before you leave? You know? And, like, yeah. that comes up over and over. She's like that throughout the entire movie to everybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of people are, too. And just the last thing here, I do think, and we'll, we can get to this a little bit more, but, you know, if you didn't listen to that last episode, we talked a little bit about the editor said that, they took a lot of story out. They took a lot of like, I guess, flesh off of some of these minor characters here, and that rang true to me watching this. You know, yeah. That said, I enjoyed it. What about you?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, same thing. I enjoyed it. Uh, and and probably again because it it was cut down to the bone, so the only thing left were, yeah, th- like basically action. Speaking about stakes and everything, first oh, of all, man. Chuck Norris is not going to lose. Nope. But at the same time, all I can think is um so whoever these people are, they're gonna they, their plan is to invade the United States mm-hmm. in real life, back then as well as now, if a tiny force from Cuba on like, I don't know, ten boats, landed on a beach in where are they? Is that that's, Where are they? They must be in Florida. Florida yeah. They're in Florida. Of course they're in Florida. Yeah. Land on a beach in Florida. Even if they wiped out a couple towns, army's going to come in and completely destroy them. Yes. Like, there's not even a question that that's going to happen. Right. Like, there's... And, and in this movie, it's never put forth that, like, they have some <laughs> ace in the hole. Like, no. they have... If they do this, then no one's going to believe that there's really an invasion or something like that. Yeah. That there has to be this one guy who knows to take care of the situation. No, it's just like, so, so essentially it it doesn't make any sense, which is a part of what does make it fun. Yes. Because it's, it's just completely nonsensical. And, and for a good chunk of the movie, all Chuck does is just show up in a place where these guys are going to cause some mayhem. And then he de-mayhems the situation and turns the mayhem back on these guys. And that's it. Like that's all that happens. You you don't know you 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 can't really tell when the siege is going to be over. Yep. I still don't really understand how the ending worked. <laughs> like Other than I, the fact that it was incredible. I don't understand how <laughs> any of it worked, but I still watched all of it. Like I didn't oh, get man. bored. No, you're not gonna get bored. uh Yeah. And I'll it's say- 107 minutes long. It's not even like 90 minutes yeah. or 85 minutes. Like it's you know what I mean. For so. sure.
0: I do think. In some ways, like even calling it invasion USA or or whatever the hell yeah. R- Rostov was trying to pull off, like starting a war because they there is some discussion and it's hilarious in fact that they're at like some beach food stand, and there's thirty people there wearing beach attire, and then there's Rostov <laughs> and Nico. <laughs> in full suits you know as if well that they don't look like bad guys no they're just there for a day of hot dogs and and wearing suits in 100 degree sure. weather but anyway it's just normal to me it's just like i don't understand any of the sort of like military aspirations of those guys whatsoever like that all just went in one ear and came out the other i just watched this as like this is like terrorism porn Like for anybody, like on either side, like uh, if you're scared of terrorists and you want to see what it might be like, or if you just want to watch some dude kick the ass of terrorists, like this is it. Like this is like Team America without the team. It's just Chuck Norris because it's like you said, like it's it's just a series of events where they're just going out and, and causing mayhem and killing people and blowing stuff up. And then, you know, Chuck Norris is there to stop them or not stop them in a couple cases. And that's all you need to know because I think even complicating it more than that makes the whole thing really disappointing and fall apart from a plot standpoint because Rostov doesn't even stick to his own mayhem aspirations because he's so freaking obsessed with killing Matt Hunter. The Chuck Norris character and to the point where you got other people saying why, like he's not the point. And I I felt the exact same thing. I don't I don't know why he thinks that they have to kill this guy in order to do this thing, because they seem to be fairly successful before they go all in on trying to kill Chuck Norris, you know?
1: Well, and and vice versa. At yeah. some point, I believe Chuck is the one saying, I've got to kill Rostov, and that'll put an end to this. Yeah. Why? Right. Why would that put an end to anything? No. <laughs> put yeah. an end to what? <laughs> yeah.
0: So none of that stuff makes that much sense. But no. I, I do think, again, at least Rostov is a reflection of evil. If we can borrow that title again. Because, you know, sure. it's like, yeah, you want to sure. make a villain – In the opening, he's calling for the death of all – and, like, causes the death of, like, all these refugees. The next time you see him, he's, like, delivering a briefcase to these guys, like, in a seedy-ass apartment building. And it is seedy. I mean, there's, like, prostitutes in the hallway. You know, there's Mm -hmm. that guy, uh, Billy Drago, who that actor looks really familiar to me, just slimy and greasy. He's in a room. yeah. Right? He's in a room which I loved that there's like three phones, like old school phones in this room. There's like a black, white, and a red (laughs) one for some some reason. But you get the sense that whatever transaction that Rostov is hoping to make is not going to go down the way he intended and that this Billy Drago character is probably going to do something to him. But Mm -hmm. there's also a woman in there who is testing out the cocaine that they got off of that refugee boat. And, like, she's snorting this thing when, bam, bam, in split seconds, Rostov grabs her head, bangs it into the mirror. He turns and, like, shoots the Billy Drago guy in the in the dick. And then a couple more times, throws the woman out the window. And then just makes his exit and i was like oh my god (laughs) like you know this movie by far I think had the most sort of like those like oh jesus factors of like inventiveness for killing people i guess i mean it all gets a bit silly when you know the other people show up on the shore but i was like yep this guy's awful and he's evil like there's that's all i really need to know he looks like he's uh do you notice it looked like maybe he's like been burnt or something? Like his his skin yeah. around his mouth, and it was like subtle makeup though. Like I, I kind of actually liked it, you know. Um, I, I
1: like, don't think it was makeup.
0: Okay, well, I man, that's what I say. Maybe it's not. I mean, maybe he just has some really, you know, scar tissue there. Yeah. Um, but it well, it adds to the to the layer of nastiness to this dude for sure. Like he looks like a badass, you know, and a weirdo.
1: He does. It it definitely does. And and I'll point out that. That's not the only time he shoots someone in the dick in this movie. No,
0: no, there's multiple times.
1: That seems to be kind of a go to move for this guy.
0: Well, it's effective, you know, it's uh, you don't want to get shot there, and uh, and he does not have any qualms about hurting anybody in this thing. Um, that's true, but again, like I think the first clue that this guy maybe has his priorities out of whack a little bit, even for just a bad guy. Is it he has a nightmare about Chuck Norris? <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Like, and then he wakes like, wakes oh, yeah. up in like a dead sweat. It's like, ah, oh, you know. I was like, I, yeah. that just I, it made me laugh so hard. Like, I was like, okay, this is like how Chuck Norris facts got started right there. It's like, yeah, if you dream about candy, maybe, you know, I mean, it's just like, God, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And a
1: part of that is, yeah, like Chuck Norris is a walking puppy dog. Again. Yeah, and. And, and up until now, all we've seen, we've seen him in the Everglades, like wrestling gators, yep. <laughs> which I got to say, I mean, it's kind of interesting, but at the same time, I was like, can we skip all this stuff? Like, I don't care. Like, none of this tells me that he's going to be this guy who can outsmart this invasion. Like, I just, I couldn't figure out why we're starting in the Everglades at all. Yeah. well, uh, and and even, obviously, it's setting Florida. Well,
0: it looks cool on that airboat, but even, yeah, like comparing sure. this to that, Super cheesy sequence with Schwarzenegger and Alyssa Milano, like you at least like get you know glean some information about who this yeah. guy is out of that, and like you know nothing about Chuck Norris in his yeah. man. I mean not a damn nope. thing you know other not than you know thing. guys are saying as long as he's breathing, he's a threat um I did like yeah. the fact that he appeared to have a pet armadillo, I uh, thought that was kind of cute. That was a nice touch. I was like, "They better not kill." What
1: happened to that armadillo? Where did it go? I think it got it away. Away, and that was it. Yeah,
0: it got away. I
1: mean, it got away, but it's. I just wonder what you know what that thing story was.
0: Um. Anyway, but also like to the point of what we're talking about here, I clocked it, and uh, we were twenty seven minutes in, and I was not positive that Chuck Norris had said a single word in that movie. Um, <laughs> and he, I mean. He's got a couple one-liners in this thing. I don't think he's got 20 lines of dialogue, do you? I mean, would that be... S- I don't think I mean, so. Jesus.
1: If he did, they certainly didn't come in the last half an hour of the movie. No.
0: But again, the bulk of the movie is really just watching these bad guys and those scenes. And I was amazed hmm. by that because, like, yeah, I expected, well, there's, there's got to be some sort of plot that involves, like, Chuck Norris, like, you know. In a way, he's the antagonist in this thing, you know. It's that sort of, like, James Bond kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's some cool stuff there, especially early on with the bad guys. Like, I loved, you know, we do have this sort of nighttime scene when the guys show up in the boats. And, like, but the way they build that, I thought it was cool. You know, you got this couple sort of skinny, well, they weren't skinny dipping, but they're out in the ocean at night. They come back on the beach. or are making out of a on blanket. They have a portable television out there on the beach yep. for I I think to watch the news I don't know I mean I don't know what
1: <laughs> that's what I I always watch the news when I'm making out
0: <laughs> yes on the beach right it's
1: perfect it's, that and Marvin Gaye yeah, man it's one
0: place I don't want to go without a TV is the beach um, mm-hmm. and it didn't even make sense because it I don't think the real sort of uh, yeah, the the terrorist attacks hadn't happened again. So it wasn't like they were like, we got to take a TV with us so that, you know, if something happens, you know, we're going to know about it. It's like, nope, (laughs) nope. They're just out there watching TV in the middle of the night. Um, But man, the Nico character just, you know, walks right up to him, grabs the guy by the head and shoots him. And then the girl, um, and that, you know, again, it's like, it's wicked. I mean, like the way they did it, it's like, yeah serial killer stuff i mean i don't even think they like you don't see all of nico until he just walks right up and does that i mean you know if you've seen jaws there's no doubt that these two kids are gonna die i don't think you know i knew that was gonna happen but um it's still like it was it worked on me the way it happened
1: very abrupt yeah especially for that era i feel like it's like it's it's super cold-blooded
0: oh extremely cold-blooded but then i do think you know They do it that way, but I think there's some different kind of stylistic flourishes when they blow up that neighborhood that we talked about in the last episode, you know. Um, These terrorists roll into this suburban neighborhood, and, like, you know, you get just enough of, like, a, a, you know, this sort of establishing kind of thing where you're seeing the family put the star on the Christmas tree outside and turn the lights on, and you got the couple that's kind of, like, necking in the car, the teenagers, and you know, there's kids running around. It's nighttime. And they're about to be called in for dinner, for bed. Uh, and then you sort of just slowly reveal that there's Rostov and and Niko in the you know back of a truck with these other dudes, and uh, they load up the bazooka or whatever and just start blowing blowing these houses to bits. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's brutal and. I just, I like the way they did it because, it, yeah, it wasn't a, abrupt in that one. Like, it, it, they stay there. They don't, they're not in a hurry to get out of there. Um, and no. even once they leave, like, the camera lingers for a second and, and moves back, and you see the one little girl come out of the house who put the star on the tree. And, you know, one of the guys, one of the people in the car that was making out, they run over and help her. And um, you don't know any of these people. They're not in the movie again you know, it's just like that whole scene could just be taken out and put into a different movie or something. Um, yeah. uh, Or it could just work on its own, but I don't know. Like I noticed it, you know, and I know, you know, you're obviously the biggest Joseph Zito fan in the world because of which, which Friday the 13th was it? The final chapter, Friday
1: the 13th, part four, the final chapter. There you go. I was like, well,
0: you know, I think this movie has a little bit of a fingerprint stylistically here and there. Um, Yeah. Story-wise, not at all. (laughs) No. Uh, But, you know. So, I I don't know. I mean, I think that is the sort of real big thing that sets off this, like, continuous chain of events. It's 1985. Of course, they go to the shopping mall and start blowing things up there. Um, Mm -hmm. They go to a church. They go to a... I don't know. Was that just like a park? Yeah, they go to a supermarket, they go to a party. There's like some street, I don't know, street Mm -hmm. festival or something. Uh, But again, okay, the grocery store, the supermarket. There's another example where at this point, everybody knows bad stuff is happening. Like this town is under attack, basically, you know, or maybe all of the Eastern seaboard. The poor grocer is out there with a megaphone trying to tell people, like, I'm sorry, we don't have fresh meat and vegetables today because the highways are are a wreck and trucks can't get to us. And people are livid, you know? (laughs) And I'm just like, you assholes. Like, he's not, he's saying, like, you're limited to 12 cans per person. I'm like, well, that should be enough to get you through a couple days at least. Like, don't don't be mad because you can't get a fresh pork chop, for the love of God, you ungrateful jerks but, you know yeah it,
1: it does seem like a really unusual um, response from a crowd yeah. I and mean, we have another one at the end which we'll, we'll get into later but yeah it just it feels like I mean like yeah why, why why would a crowd be getting so angry I don't know I mean all you're telling them is like you don't <clears> make the <this throat> stuff you just uh, we don't have what you want I didn't tell you that we had what you want and then you came down here uh, we don't have what you want so what, why why would you be yelling? Why would there be an angry mob?
0: Yeah. And, and then this is also one of those scenes where the terrorists show up, of course, and then Norris shows up. I don't know how he knew to go there or if he was just driving by. Guess who else is there? Yep. McGuire. The reporter. The reporter. Always. And she gets, Always there. She gets pissed. I mean, she gets taken hostage for a second and has a gun held at her. And Chuck Norris kills the guy that's holding her hostage and she's pissed at him. She's pissed at Chuck Norris. Like never says anything about like, uh, thank you for saving me, saving my life. That was really generous of you. I do appreciate that. (laughs) She's just so awful. Um, I do remember the scene where Chuck Norris is just, he's in his truck driving down one street at night and it's almost like taxi driver. Like, you know, he's looking out the window and you get these little sort of like vignettes of there is a guy playing saxophone, right? Out on the street. Um, but they're, they're, yeah, there's they're, like they're, pr- that's right. Prostitute. Every single person that he passes basically like looks at him like, get what the hell are you doing? You know, like, how dare you drive down the street? Like they're ready to kick his ass for just driving down the street. I mean, there's, like, a gang of white dudes that come up and, like, are punching and kicking the car. And just like, this is not a very flattering portrait of Florida, you know? Um, everybody's really, really hostile towards him, and I don't know why. Um, but it made me laugh. It did make me laugh, Greg.
1: There was a lot, there was a lot to, be, to, to be laughed about. There's no question about that.
0: Do you remember the sort of tail end of the mall sequence when, uh, I think, Chuck Norris gets out of there and is driving after the terrorist or whatever, and you get the one shot of the little sort of like three wheeled mall security little cart kind of thing headed towards the same direction that the terrorist. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was great. Just, uh, quickly does it turns around, a little U turn, and oh man, yeah, I he's like, so oh, it was so great. Uh, I loved all that stuff. I I had a weird relationship with the level of violence in this movie, in that if you. St- Start a terrorist invasion by blowing up houses with a bazooka, right? Or rocket launcher, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense to then use uh, like time bombs and suitcase bombs that have to be run with wires like later on? Because they do that like six or seven times, it felt like. They put a timed bomb. Yeah on the side of a school bus. I'm like, don't, you have bazookas, right? Just blow up the school bus. Yeah. Um,
1: Like, do you want to kill those kids or not?
0: Yeah. They put, I I did love that (laughs) Chuck Norris drives up beside the bus, pulls the bomb off, and doesn't even once look, like, at the clock, which has, like, less than 25 seconds on it, as he just drives straight for the guys and attaches it to their car and blows them up, you know. Of course, yeah. he's not worried at all about this thing going off in his hand. Um But then, yeah, the guy is like setting up a suitcase bomb at that church and going to all this trouble to run wire, detonation wire. Uh And they're literally like standing there with machine guns. There's like a five or six of them. I don't know. I don't understand why you yeah. just go in the church and shoot those people, which I thought was what was going to happen. I was actually kind of like tense about that. Like it just seemed like, oh God, yeah. this is going to be nasty. Um, but, but
1: again, like that's that's another good example yes. of kind of what's going on with, like with the, the way that this movie is not really connected to other things. Because at least as I remember, the guys who are there planning the bomb I don't think we've seen them before. No, I think Rostov guys. is there for a second, but then they leave. Yeah, and it's maybe. I mean,
0: and it's one more thing where Chuck Norris shows up on the roof above them.
1: Right? How? How the hell yeah, yeah. Well,
0: did he? I mean, either like let's
1: let's let's think about it again spatially. Yeah. they put a bomb on the front steps, then run a cord across the street, way across the street, and they're over there to to blow it up. They don't see him take the bomb. From in front of the church they just came from. <laughs> I forgot even think about that. And then go all the way up on the roof <laughs> and then throw it down on them. So again, uh, there, there can't be stakes in a movie like that. Yeah, how would he have gotten
0: stakes. that? There's no way he would have gotten that briefcase without them seeing that. Yeah. Or if you're going... To, Whereas what yeah. I... No, no. Go ahead. I say, I mean, or at least give me this shot where like the, the guys are arguing in the foreground and turn their backs for a second, and you see Chuck Norris sneak across with it in the background. But even then, yeah. there's a wire connected to that suitcase. Second. I guess he, right. he cut the. Well, I don't know if he cut the wire or not. But oh, I didn't even think about that. But that's amazing. But uh, there's just there's just no, either these guys are terrible about giving away where they're going and what they're going to yeah. do or Chuck Norris is the ultimate tracker of all time in which case I need to be told that in the beginning yeah to buy any of that um right. it's like you say it's like a ghost or it's like you know we're talking about like with Rambo it's a, it's like a horror movie like he is the um the Jason Voorhees who is just you know there at the right, right. place at the right America. time yeah he's Jason Voorhees of yeah. America <laughs> um but Again, it's all like, it's just so ridiculous that to me it's an enjoyable and like, I think it culminated for me, Craig, in the motel where you get Chuck Norris sitting on his bed. He's in like the full Canadian tuxedo, denim head to toe, shirts open. Mm. I don't know if he was still wearing those like weird holsters, which we should talk about in a second anyway, or not. Yeah. He's watching like a cheesy 50s sci-fi movie on TV and almost smile like he almost smiles when the spaceship blows up something. It's just like wasn't it a crazy more innocent time back then when we were worried about aliens? Um but the best part of that whole thing. He's chewing gum. And then do you remember what he did with his gum,
1: Craig? He sticks it on the painting behind him.
0: Oh my God, so, I loved yeah. it. I just fell out.
1: Among yeah. among the other <laughs> baffling things about that, just that one scene, like, why is he in a hotel? Who tipped anyone off to him being in the hotel? Like, I, I didn't follow any of that. N- neither did Yeah, I. then he's just sitting there, and, and I think it's, it's like when he sort of catches wind that these guys are about to bust in. Oh he's like, God. well, I better get ready. Takes the gum out and just sticks it directly on the painting behind him. But get
0: ready for what? Like, why?
1: He's not, he doesn't put up a fight. Exactly. Um, He's not going to do a single thing. I don't even know why he's there. Yeah. Because no one's attacking anyone in the hotel. Why would he be there?
0: You know, at least I know there's some movie where they've had a guy chew on the plastic, uh, the putty in the plastic explosive uh, and then stick Mm -hmm. it. You know, I've seen that before. But this, nope, just uh, he's smacking on some uh, big league chew and for want of nowhere else to put it, apparently, or the need to just keep it in his mouth, sticks it to a painting and vandalizes that hotel. Now, I'm of the opinion that the police catch up with him at this point solely for the fact uh, that the movie wanted to have some way of of you know brainlessly trapping Rostov and these guys um because they probably couldn't think of any other way to end this thing because it makes no sense um it and I and I'm bad about these things but I saw it coming right because the, the one saving grace of all this is that when uh Matt Hunter is being arrested and led into jail or court or somewhere. Uh, Of course, the local news is there and he gives an, just an incredible speech to the camera, (laughs) which is clearly intended for Rostov, but it's so obvious that I Mm -hmm. was just like, Oh, okay. Like this is a setup. He's totally doing this to draw Rostov to him. And then they're going to pounce, you know, and that's exactly kind of what happens. Right. (laughs) Yeah, but man, yeah. Oh, that somehow, which is good.
1: the the, the entire army mm-hmm. ends up, the the entire invading force ends up. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Descending on this building, so there's tons of soldiers outside, and then a precious few go inside. And and I mean, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Most of what they do at first is just walk in and shoot at every inanimate object mm-hmm. anywhere within sight. They want like a bullet hole in every phone yep. and chair, like anything that they see. They just want to put bullets in it. Yep, that's how That you, seems to be the main, that means like the first phase of the plan. Yeah.
0: It's actually called uh, like Bullet Hole USA. That's That was a real intention was just to leave bullet holes in a lot of places. Wasn't so much to take Could over. Yeah. Yeah, sense. and and even I mean they they the plan I guess is to just all right. Hunter, you're free to go even though we know you also just, you know, murdered a ton of people. Um, oh, although man. they're bad guys. Um, sure. You go do your guess. you go do your thing yeah. and we'll do our thing. I mean because it like it didn't seem like it was all coordinated like All right, here's what you're going to do. There's
1: not a lot of coordination. No, you're
0: you're (laughs) going to go out there, kill as many as you can, but just draw them into this one area. Like, nope, there's none of that. It's just suddenly, you know, he's out there on the street with a bazooka and two Uzis and, you know, kind of like doing his thing. Um, Right. Now, again, I've mentioned this before. The Uzis, two of them, one for each hand, Mm. he uses attached to a, a sort of holster device that rests on his shoulders. And they remain attached to this thing um, by like a, a strip of leather, it looks like, as he uses them. And I, for the life of me, could not figure out why you would do that because it it seems like it would limit your mobility and your aim. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, nobody else. And I've
1: heard that yeah, I've heard like that—that that whole idea of shooting, like having a gun in each hand to shoot, yeah, just makes you the the worst possible shot. Yeah, um, that it's it's just ridiculously hard. And then and and again, there there was the the sort of the thing. I'll see if I can find it. A write up on uh, somebody's doing a write up on sort of the '80s action movie guns and how these became really popular. Yeah, like these little Uzis oh, yeah. and how terrible they are as guns. Like they're just they're they are just they are do not shoot straight. Like they're just awful. Um, but they look cool. And exactly. Yeah. He walks around and de- 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 de, and it's, it's very uh, sort of a memorable look. Yeah. It you know? is. It stuck with me. I just it's kind of his gimmick. Like he needs gimmicks. Yeah. So, you know, he's got it
0: because like, I kind of would have bought it right. If let's say he runs out of ammo and the easiest thing to do is just, you drop your Uzis, you grab your knife, you grab your other guns that you've got on you on your legs um and you use those until you can reload and your hey your uzis are right there just hanging down by your tits and uh you sure. know easy access later on I don't remember exactly. seeing that I don't think that happened no I think he just you, <laughs> it's so bizarre
1: He used them until they were tapped out yep, yeah and and then, and then he took them off Yeah
0: I think he took them took them right off um it's uh it's a sight to behold that said he's pretty good at killing people it works out quite well it's, um, okay. to yeah. what he's trying to achieve. Uh, the military is able to corner the rest of the invading soldiers uh, to the point that they surrender. Obviously, Rostov is going after uh, Hunter himself, even though he does realize it's sure. a trap at one point because you know, a uh, smart guy that he is and great at killing people, he did, it, did not occur to him before this moment even though it occurred to everybody else watching the movie. Um, But you get that final showdown between those two guys and (laughs) really all you need to know is that they have a bazooka standoff and Norris wins in spectacular fashion. Um, Now that compared to the dummies in Commando that don't blow up when the house blows up, this, on the other hand, uh, Rostov, his body parts get blown out of a window. And did you notice all the blood? I mean, good God. There's just gallons flying through the air. Um, I, the blood? Yeah. in the explosion. And that fake head. Did you see the head kind of like Fake head. The fake head is what I really focused <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, that was great. And then, uh, you might have to correct my memory here. Uh, I think the movie just ends, right? I think that's it.
1: Nope, that's it. Yep. That's totally it. And and again, I think it kind of takes us back to the the fact that a lot of stuff was cut out. Yeah. Because I feel like there's got to be a version somewhere where he ends up with the reporter. I don't understand why the reporter was ever in the movie. There's no context. Uh, yeah, and it, you just get to this point, and he's like, man, here's a bazooka, boom. And then it's just freeze frame, music comes up, and we got credits. And that's it.
0: I don't understand, like, okay, like, in this situation, I feel like maybe with some of the others, too, like, don't you just learn anything from Star Wars? Just have the scene where the guy gets a medal. Like, he's being rewarded yeah and, you know maybe kind
1: of put this whole thing to bed a little yeah bit.
0: and maybe he's he's the type of guy who doesn't want that you know he's all he wants is to go back to sure. his ramshackle house in the everglades and his armadillo just something like something <laughs> there's nothing well just, but you know, i think
1: that's kind of that's kind of where you're at yeah. and, and and i wonder again i would love to see all the material they had yeah. because i kind of feel like at that point when i'm looking at that freeze frame and i was thinking kind of the same thing it's like i wonder what the scene is going to be after this but it's by then I'd pretty much forgotten all about alligators and Everglades oh, yeah, and no, stuff. There's no... <laughs> like, I don't think he really wanted to go back to any of that. It was like, yeah, like what? I don't know. What, why Why did he do any of this? Like, what, What? what you know, did he kill him? Because they, they killed his buddy who who ran the float boats thing? I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, feel like, I feel like they just got to that point and they're just like, you know what? No one in the audience needs to know any more than that. Nope. Like, he killed the guy and that's it.
0: You know, what would have been an amazing ending is if he went back to that hotel, got his gum back off of the uh, painting and put it back in his mouth and just
1: walked off. <laughs> uh. I, I would be a big fan <laughs> of that movie. And, and I would love to know if there is uh, a, a director's cut or something. Like, I would totally yeah. watch this at least once just to see it all, just everything cut together, see what the, the story was, see if they kind of link any of those moments something. where he like... Yeah saves people. Uh I got to imagine it must be a very long movie with all that stuff cut in cuz it's only like yeah. 13 minutes away from being 2 hours right now. It didn't
0: feel like 2 um, hours to me or even no. I mean I I think it moves like, you know. And again, there's just so much ridiculousness that it's kind of fun to watch uh oh, man. and and keeps from being boring. I did see though yeah. at least one of the online stores that I looked at had a director's cut of Commando which I can't remember. I yeah. think maybe we talked about that in a or maybe it got cut. Anyway, it's out there floating around. Um, you can rent it. It looked like the running time was almost identical, uh, maybe by a couple minutes uh, to the theatrical version. I watched the theatrical version because yeah, it's not 85. I want to see what it was like in 85. Um, but yeah, I don't I know. Maybe somebody can tell us more about the difference between the two, but let's, uh, did you look at the body count already? Cause this is on IMDb.
1: I did not look at the body count. Okay, well, do you more.
0: want to take a guess at uh, which of these two movies had the higher body count? I, I mean, after seeing, I think we—I can't remember what our predictions were. I,
1: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say I, I don't—I don't think it's easy to to really uh, figure it out. But but I, I would I would guess Invasion USA has the biggest body count. Uh, you're
0: right. Yeah, it's 129 according to yeah <laughs> uh, dp i believe it too uh I, I did think though when i was watching commando you know when they get to that end i'm like oh man this is going to give the norse movie a run for its money cuz he is just mowing people yeah. down uh it, a body count in that movie 109 so uh that's that's pretty impressive yeah. considering it's it's one man basically doing all of this um and you know he's not taking on uh, a, a group of terrorists that are invading the entire country. Um, this also has a parenthetical that 102 of those 109 were killed by Schwarzenegger himself. So I don't know. Ooh. I don't even remember other deaths that might've been caused by someone that wasn't him. So I'm a little confused by that. Um, But what do you think? Yeah. Let's rank these, these four movies, these four sort of pinnacles of, just manliness, murdering mayhem between Rambo, mm-hmm. Missing in Action. I mean, you know, maybe Missing in Action is, is slightly different. Well, it, it, definitely different than the, the rest of these movies. But, you know, there's still obviously a lot of killing going on and payback. Uh, let's just sure. say most. what was the most enjoyable of these four movies for you?
1: Oh, Commando by a long shot.
0: I think I'm with you. I think I'm with you. I wish again that third act had just been a little bit tighter. It, it strays a little bit, but I think on the whole, yeah, I'd I'd go Commando. And then uh, what about second though? Where, where what would you follow uh, in order from there?
1: Second is tough, but I think I actually might. It, it'd be it would be between Invasion, and Rambo. Yeah. I mean, Rambo might might edge it out.
0: I I think I would go invasion just because of, uh, the, the, the ruthlessness of, of the Rostov guy. And just this, the, the many times that I was surprised in the way in which people died. And I really think seeing that neighborhood burnt down and blown up, uh, you know, it's awful and horrible, but it's, it's kind of, kind of cool to watch, (laughs) you know, and there's nothing like that in those other movies, you know?
1: Yeah. And there's all the ball shooting.
0: Yeah, there's so many ball shooting in that. You know, If Rambo had just aimed a little lower, a little more often, Maybe. I think it would take that for me. But yeah, I think I would go that order as well. I think I would do Rambo next and then Missing in Action 2. Although I do think Missing yeah. in Action 2 is, in some ways, in some crazy way, the most nuanced of the stories of these four movies. Yeah. I mean, is it, yeah. does it maybe have the best script of all four of these, which is nuts to think about?
1: It it, it very well may. I think it doesn't have, it doesn't have the best performances, yeah. but, but I mean, story wise, it, it sort of, uh, what took itself the most seriously, but I, but like took itself seriously in a way that's like, I don't know, like th- this is at least somewhat plausible mm-hmm. Like it's 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 it is it's the most plausible of, of these four movies. Yeah, which is uh, I think by a long yeah. shot.
0: Yeah, I also think it's probably the smallest of the four, and it's mm-hmm. definitely the smallest budget, and it feels like it to me. Like in in a lot of ways, it feels like a movie that was not made in the same year as these other movies, or even I would you yeah. know if you told me. Which of these four movies came out in 85 and which one came out in 82? I would pick Invasion USA as the one that came out in 82, just as a... Not Invasion, I'm sorry, Missing in Action 2, as the one that came out before all those. Um, uh, What about best performance from the lead? Oh, and that's, I'm not even going to quantify how you want to judge that, <laughs> but just, just for you, what's, who, who's, who's the best performer here in these four things?
1: That's tough, but. So tough. God, I mean, that's yeah. real tough. I mean, I feel like, I, I feel like Stallone probably has the best performance.
0: Would it be easier to say favorite character of the four? Or no, is it still kind of in the same?
1: No, well, I mean, I mean, the most fun character is definitely Arnold. Yeah. It's definitely John Matrix. Um, like, I mean, Norris, Norris doesn't give you anything. No,
0: but I think like in some ways that character in Invasion USA is the most ridiculous of the four. <laughs> right. Even though it's like yeah. he's such a blank yeah. wall, though, which is crazy to say that that's a, he's a exactly. ridiculous and there's nothing about him. Like it's hollow as can be. Um, but just right. just the appearance and everything. I don't know. Um
1: so you would go with, uh,
0: gosh, Matt Hunter. I don't know. You know, I, as far as favorite character, I don't know. Oh, it's tough. I might, I might, I, I did oh. like Schwarzenegger a lot and performance. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, I might be with you as far as saying Stallone edges, Schwarzenegger a little bit, uh, in the Rainbow thing. Although I don't know. It might, I don't know. They might be neck and neck there
1: oh well we brought this up earlier how about best mullet
0: oh man i think you got really between norris and, and yeah. Stallone, but yeah i mean i guess from a technical standpoint stallone's is the best because it's the f- most alive i guess whereas norris is sure. <laughs> like you said it's like it's like a dog it's like unmoving fur you know um Right. And it's so...
1: Norris is, I think, I feel like is much more of the era. Yeah.
0: Yes, agreed.
1: Whereas like Stallone's could almost get by now mm-hmm. if you were a certain kind of dude. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Or even like a, like a 70s kind of mullet, you know? Sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'd give Stallone the title there. Um. And would you uh, recommend all four movies?
1: Would I recommend all four? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah,
0: I think hell yeah. I mean
1: yeah, I, I I would I would recommend Invasion USA, possibly The Tops because I feel like that's the one that would be least seen. Yeah. Um, I, I just figure most people probably already saw Commando, like those would be the two like go to like if you watch these you're definitely gonna have a good time. Yeah. Like Rambo and Missing in Action, there were definitely places where I was kind of like, eh, I'm I'm falling out of this a little yeah. bit. But, I mean, these two kept me pinned to the back of my seat. Man,
0: it's a good time. Yeah. How about I, you? I, I'm exactly the same. I do think, well, uh, maybe lower your expectations on the Rambo front. I still feel that way. Like, it was the disappointment, I guess, of the four to me. Maybe I was just, you know, thinking uh, you know, yeah. it's such a massive movie. And Stallone was such a massive personality at that point. Uh, I don't know. I just expected a little more from the story itself. And it let me yeah. down in that category, but still like we talked about, yeah, it's just a blast to watch and the others for sure. I think, yeah, if you, if you haven't seen the Chuck Norris things, you're in for a real treat in a lot of different ways, especially if you watch the two of them kind of, uh, in, you know, close succession, because they share some things and yet they're vastly different, uh, from a story yeah. standpoint and production standpoint and, and a lot of things there. So it's interesting that, Yeah, we'll see what Code of Silence looks like. I don't, I haven't seen that movie. I don't know if you have, but uh, it'll be fun to think about if at the end of all of this, Chuck Norris gave the three, like most radically different, or played like you know the most radically different characters in a weird way, (laughs) from as anybody in nineteen as any actor in nineteen eighty five. I don't know if that'll bear out or not, but (laughs) uh, it's not something (laughs) I expected. So, Craig. Any last lingering thoughts? Uh, These were so much fun to get into. Uh, I I think it was a good place to kind of go after watching Goonies uh, to talk about. You know, I I do think uh, this year, in particular, when I think about it, it's it's action and it's you know those those great sort of kids Amblin esque movies. So yeah, Yeah. we've we've checked those off, and we got a lot of fun places to go next. But um, man, these were fun.
1: They were. What are we doing next show? Well, I
0: think, yeah, we're going to, we're going to tee you up for two horror movies and, uh, they're going to be fun ones too. I think we're going to do once bitten and, uh, the classic Fright Night, man. So two fun movies that I haven't seen in forever. Uh, and I'm super excited to revisit them. I'm super excited to see exactly where they kind of draw that line between, uh, you know, comedy and horror a little bit. Um, and yeah. also, uh, yeah, like look at the rating and see like what we think that would look like, uh, today and how they would change those movies. And we know how they changed fright night, at least in one way, a couple years ago. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll tee up for those. We'll go through trivia and, and all the, the basic details and everything you need to know next time. And, uh, yeah, then get ready, go find those movies and watch them.
1: That's a great idea, Sean. Any last words for the folks out there?
0: Um, Don't put your gum, especially on a painting. I mean, that's somebody's artwork, Mm -hmm. even if it's a print, you know, just a a print. uh, There's better places to put your gum, especially if you're an adult, you should know better, really.
1: You don't need to prove how tough you are by putting your gum on the painting. uh
0: -uh. That does not suggest toughness to me. That suggests disgustingness.